This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Father, we thank you so much that you are a good and gracious Father. And Lord, as we come to uh, your word, as we come to the message uh, this morning, we pray that it would be all about you. And we pray that you would do what only you can do and reveal yourself to us in such a way that uh, we respond uh, with worship, with joy, in such a way that our hearts are convicted and challenged and we leave this place today changed. And so Holy Spirit, we ask you to move. We thank you that you're with us. We ask you to do what only you can do. We pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus. And all the God's people said, amen. So what have I told you uh, this year that of all the resolutions and changes you could be seeking to make, growing your spiritual disciplines could be the most significant one? Uh, What what have I told you that all the other hopes and aspirations that you have for the year ahead pale in comparison to what God has for you as you grow in relationship with Him and into who He has called you uh, to be? What have I told you that whatever the year ahead holds, victories, losses, celebrations, suffering, changes, routine, monotony, the one sure, constant hope that you have through all of the fluctuating circumstances is your hope in Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you would describe yourself as a Jesus follower, as a Christian, then I hope you would agree with me in saying that the most important relationship that we have in our lives to invest in and to nurture for the year ahead is our relationship with Him. And because of this, the key to so much of this is growing in our spiritual disciplines. And so that's what we're talking about today, our resolutions you can change, spiritual disciplines. And our spiritual disciplines are a grace that God has given us to accomplish so much in us for the year ahead. Uh, So as we begin to start thinking about spiritual disciplines, uh, there's two things that I want to point out. Uh, Firstly, uh, just a little working definition. What are spiritual disciplines? Well, I like this definition from Desiring God, and it says, The spiritual disciplines are those practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth among believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The spiritual disciplines are those practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth among believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I like that definition. We're talking about biblical practices, reading your Bible, meditating on the Scriptures, prayer, fasting, worship, both individually and corporately. Uh, But today I want to focus a little bit more on the individual aspects of these practices. So not so much the communal and the corporate, but more what's going on in our personal lives with our personal faith. And secondly, I want to point out that when it comes to resolutions, I think we have a tendency as people to focus on behaviors. We focus on actions. 
And actually, while we're on the topic of our resolutions, I did do a Google search and find an article by the Daily Mail that listed Australia's top five news resolutions for 2018. These should be up on the screen behind me. Let me read them out to you. Number one, top resolution for Australians in 2018, improve fitness. Uh, number two, eat better. Number three, quit smoking. Number four, quit drinking. And uh, number five, learn a new skill. I kind of laughed a bit when I read these. I thought, these are so Aussie. And, uh, but, but I feel kind of optimistic for our country and for our fellow Australians because I feel like this is set up for us to succeed. Like number one, improve fitness. I feel if we can kind of get a good grasp on two to four, eating better, quit smoking, quit drinking, we're well on our way to achieving number one. So I feel like we have a... Uh, a bit of an advantage from the beginning. But another thing that I found amusing as I read this article was that, you know, it said, here's the five top resolutions and here's simple tips to ensure that you achieve each of them. And so, you know, they're going to give you some tips on how you can uh, quit smoking or quit drinking, and they're simple tips. And if you just implement them, you'll be able to achieve all of these things. Uh, but according to a study by Business Insider, uh, 80% of people either fail or quit or give up on their New Year's resolutions by the six-week mark. So that kind of made me think these two things don't add up. Either these simple tips are not so simple, uh, or these resolutions are much less achievable uh, than it seems. And so this morning, what I want to do in the time that I have with you is not give you any simple tips on how to grow in your spiritual disciplines, but share with you some truth. Uh, because, you know, I believe that the Bible teaches us that Christians, we're not on about just changing our behaviors. Our God isn't in the business of external behavior modification. He's in the business of soul transformation. And so to do that, He gives us truth. And by the power of the Spirit, if this truth can affect our hearts, that's going to change our beliefs and then that'll flow out into our actions and the way that we live. And so if there's anyone here today who wants to grow in your spiritual disciplines this year, I'd like to share with you some truth that the Spirit has been revealing to me as I've reflected on this topic for myself. So the first truth that I would like to share with you is Spiritual disciplines, they're a blessing to enjoy, not a burden to uphold. When it comes to spiritual disciplines, they're a blessing to enjoy, not a burden to uphold. I wonder if I can get a show of hands. Is there anyone who, as a little child, you went to Sunday school? Anyone? Wow, a lot of us. Okay, so, you know, I went to Sunday school, and I don't know if you learned this song, but there was this song, uh, I think the title was, Read Your Bible, Pray Every Day. And that was, I think, about 80% of the lyrics. There were a couple of other words in there to kind of join it together. So, Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. And, and the point was, this song was teaching us the importance of daily Bible reading and prayer. 
And if you spend any time growing up in a Christian environment, like maybe youth group, you might be uh, familiar with other buzzwords or jargon to do with spiritual disciplines. For me, when I was in youth, uh, it was QT, uh, not cutie, like my wife Katie over there, QT, which stands for quiet times. And, you know, my youth leader, whenever we got together on a Friday night as a Bible study, he'd always ask, so everyone, how are your QTs going? And, you know, me and my friends, because we were hyper-spiritual, we'd ask each other from time to time, how are your QTs? How are they going? And when I got to university, um, my, my Bible study leader and my minister, they'd always ask me, hey, how's your Bible reading going? And, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking these kinds of questions. But you know what questions they never asked me? Or very rarely? Hey, James, how's your faith? Or, hey, James, how are you going trusting Jesus in the day-to-day of life? James, how's your spiritual health? And my point is, growing up, for me at least, the majority of questions that I got asked seemed to be framed around my spiritual activity, not my spiritual health. And there's some overlap there, don't get me wrong, but they're not the same thing. And after a while, if that's all the people are asking you, you begin to equate the quality and the quantity of your faith with the quality and the quantity of your spiritual disciplines. Like on the weeks when I didn't open up my Bible, I would feel really guilty. And I would wonder, oh, you know, is my faith legitimate? Am I really a Christian? Because I've really struggled to open up my Bible this week. Or when I realized that I hadn't prayed for three days in a row, I'd start to have doubt and I'd start to feel condemnation and guilt. Was I living up to the standard? Because I I couldn't find consistency in doing the things that seemingly Christians were supposed to do. And if you think like that, very quickly you start to measure your faith by your spiritual activity and by your spiritual behavior. So when you're disciplined and you're consistent and, you know, you're, you're doing it every day, you're waking up, and before you go to school or uni or work, you're getting quality time in the Word, you feel like you're on top of the world, you're doing it. But then the weeks when it's inconsistent and hard, and you've left your Bible on the shelf for seven days, you start to feel burdened. You start to feel guilty. You start to compare and ask questions, and, and suddenly spiritual disciplines become a burden to uphold. I don't know if you grew up in an environment like that at all or if you're someone who is prone to kind of that behavior. But here's the thing. Reading your Bible every day doesn't save you. Jesus does. And having a vibrant and consistent prayer life doesn't, that's not what makes you a real Christian. Jesus is. Good spiritual disciplines don't qualify you for God's love. Jesus does. 
And, and the fact that we can even do any of those things, like open up the word and actually hear from God or come before him in prayer and speak to him, these things are only possible because Jesus has already done absolutely everything necessary to give us the opportunity to draw near to God. Uh, this is how the author of Hebrews puts it in chapter 10. Uh, this is the NLT version. should be up on the screens behind me. He says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure Water. Now, now, there's a lot of theology packed into those few verses, but if I was to simplify it for you, I would say that the author of Hebrews is saying, he's telling us that because of Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross for us, when he died in our place for our rejection of God, we can now come into God's presence. I love how the message paraphrases a few of these verses. 19 to 21, Eugene Peterson writes, So friends, we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. And so this invitation that we have to draw near to God and to, to hear him speak and to speak in turn is built solely on what Jesus has done for us. It's, it's built on his blood and on his sacrifice because with Jesus, we couldn't do it. You know, in the Old Testament, here's some context for those verses. In the Old Testament, the Israelites, they couldn't go into that most holy place to meet with God because they were unclean and their sin was a barrier between them and God. And only one person, the high priest, could go into that place once a year. But even when he went in, before he went in, he had to ceremonially clean and purify himself physically so that he would be clean enough. But through Jesus, we are clean. Through Jesus, all of the dirt and the filth and the impurity has been removed, not because of what we've done, but because he died for it on the cross. And through him, we're not only forgiven, but we're clean and we're acceptable to God. And here's where I'm going with this. Without Jesus, without the foundation of the gospel, we can't even do spiritual disciplines. And, and if you try and approach reading the Bible and prayer and your daily disciplines as a means of earning God's approval, you've already set yourself up for failure before you've even started. The very practice of spiritual disciplines is a privilege that we get to enjoy because of what Jesus has done. 
So when you draw near to God and you, and you come to pray and offer praises or thanksgiving or, or you come to present your requests, you can only do that because Jesus has already made a way for us to be in relationship with him. And you know what else that means? It also means that the fact that you even try to do spiritual disciplines is a testimony that the good news is true. It means that your Bible reading, your prayer, and your worship, it's not an effort to prove that you're a real Christian, but a response to the good news of what Jesus has done for you. Because there's nothing for you to prove or earn. You're not more accepted by God this week because you read your Bible five times when last week you only read it twice. We don't engage in spiritual, bless, in spiritual disciplines to get a blessing. We do them because we are blessed in Jesus. And I know I'm speaking to a room of, of different people today. And if you're here today and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, if you don't have a personal faith in Jesus, this is what we believe separates our faith from other major world religions. Because our spiritual activity, our spiritual disciplines, our practices, they are not an effort to earn God's approval. They are a response to the fact that we are approved of because of Jesus. We don't trust in our own performance to get us to God. It's not our spiritual activity that gets us to God. But through faith in Christ, God has drawn near to us. And so Anchor family, if, if you're here today and you're someone who has the tendency to perform, if you're someone who has the tendency to be legalistic or to compare or, 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 or to, to treat your spiritual disciplines in such a way that uh, you begin to feel burdened when you're not doing them, can I ask that you prayerfully bring that before God and you confess that to the Holy Spirit and ask Him to release you from that lie. Because spiritual disciplines don't save us, but they're a blessing we get to enjoy because of Jesus. We have an invitation to the throne room of God and we get to go there, approach and meet with our Heavenly Father who calls us dearly loved children. And so what if every time you began your spiritual disciplines this year, you started by thanking God that the good news of Jesus is true? Uh, what if every time you sat down to open up your Bible or pray, you started by celebrating the fact that Jesus has laid that foundation and by his sacrifice, you now have this invitation to approach God with confidence, with full assurance, with no guilt, and with your conscience clean. I wonder how would that change the way that you might think about your spiritual disciplines? How might that change the way you respond when you feel like you've been in a bit of a slump? How might that change uh, the pride that you might feel 
when you feel like you're doing good. Spiritual disciplines are a blessing to enjoy and not a burden to uphold. Uh, but secondly, and the second uh, truth that I want to share with us this morning, and this one may be a little bit more cryptic, is it's more than it seems. It's more than it seems. And as I've reflected on spiritual disciplines, I have found myself sometimes asking, if I'm being honest, well, what's the point? Why spiritual Disciplines. Like, I understand why we can do them. That's what we've just been talking about. But why? Why Bible reading? Why prayer? Why solitude? And I've got some really bad reasons why we should do spiritual disciplines. I'll read a few out to you. Uh, one really bad reason is to fulfill religious duty. That's a bad reason. Uh, another bad reason, because my pastor says so. Not a good reason. Sorry, Matt. Number three, for the approval of others. Uh, number four, uh, to acquire intellectual knowledge. The four bad reasons. And in the time that we have left, I'd like to show you three reasons or three whys from Scripture uh, that are key motivations for us, key reasons for us to seek growth in our spiritual disciplines. And as we, as we see these truths, my hope is that God will give us a wider vision for our spiritual disciplines. And as our vision is broadened and widened, hopefully we can, by God's grace, partner with the Holy Spirit in seeking more of what God wants for us. Uh, through our spiritual disciplines in the year ahead. So here we go, uh, three whys. So firstly, for relationship. Uh, I'm married to Katie. She's down the front here. We've been married for about 10 months, and uh, we have made a New Year's resolution for ourselves. And it's only taken us you know, a while to think of this, but it's a very deliberate and intentional change that we want to make in our marriage, and I'm talking about date night. You see, we have, uh, we've been married for 10 months, as I said, and we've quickly learned the necessity of having quality, uninterrupted time with each other, right? Like, I'm talking time where we can just 100% focus on being in each other's presence, Investing in each other, listening, offering encouragement, having fun. And when we got married 10 months ago, I think we were a little bit naive in our thinking. We were very determined that we didn't want to be one of those couples who gets married and then just disappears. And so we kind of, we got a calendar out. We looked at our first two to three months and we just started booking in catch-ups with people. We wanted to be that social, inclusive, married couple who brings people in. And so we just booked out our first three months. Uh, you know, some of my friends that I wanted to catch up with one-on-one, -on -one, Katie's friends that she wanted to catch up with, double dates, family, group dates, gatherings, everything. And uh, we did that without realizing the importance of intentional time 
with each other. And if I'm being honest, I think most of that was my ignorance, um, not Katie's. Uh, but, you know, I kind of thought, you know, we're going to be living together. We're always around each other. We sleep in the same bed. We see each other every day. So why, why would we need allotted, specific, uninterrupted time together? And some of you, well, all of you who are married are laughing at me internally because you're thinking, wow, you're an idiot. <laughs> and the truth is, I was. And since then, I've realized that I am dumb. And um, yeah, I don't really know much about marriage. But the thing is, I think with our relationship with God, often we take this same perspective. Because here's the thing, we need uninterrupted quality time in His presence to grow in relationship with Him. And He's given us spiritual disciplines as a means to achieving that. But so many of us in our relationship with God have that same perspective that Katie and I had for the first few months of our marriage. You know, maybe we have good rationale or good logic for that. Maybe, you know, we have good theology and we know that God has given us His Holy Spirit and so He dwells with us and He's always with us. And so if He's never far from us, then why would we need to make intentional time? But just like how Katie and I were living in the same house and we were never far from one another and we were always near, we still needed to be intentional. And so just like how our marriage required intentional investment to grow, so does our relationship with God. There's just no other way around it. We need that focused, uninterrupted time with God. And you know, there's some of us here today who our New Year's resolution is to grow deeper in relationship with God. And maybe that's been a desire on our heart for a long time. And maybe we're discouraged. But have we been making time for Him? Have we been making time for Him? And how can we be more intentional? Well, in our Mark's account of Jesus' life, we see Jesus modeling intentionality. I want to read you Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 35 from the NIV. And Mark writes, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And now at the time of this particular uh, recorded event, Jesus is staying at the house uh, of Andrew and Simon, and uh, he's just healed Simon's mother-in-law, so she's staying there too. And the surrounding scripture suggests that two other of his disciples, James and John, were probably staying the night there as well. So that's six people in total staying in the house, and Jesus deliberately and intentionally removes himself to go and spend time with God. And what strikes me the most about Jesus doing this is he's the Son of God. 
He's the one person in human history who has an unhindered connection with the Father. He has the best relationship with God, and yet he doesn't take that for granted. He still goes and removes himself from the circumstance, from the busyness, and prioritizes spending time with the Father. He picks a time and a place and goes to pray. And for many of us here today, if we're going to have any hope of growing in our relationship with God this year, we need to follow his example. We need to pick a time and a place, and we need to go and pray. We need to remove ourselves from our circumstances. We need to remove ourselves from the busyness of everyday life and prioritize time with the Father. And Mark records about half a dozen different instances of this in his account of Jesus' life. And we see time and time again how Jesus prioritizes time with the Father. Now, wouldn't it be ridiculous if Katie and I didn't schedule for intentional time together? Like, wouldn't it be ridiculous if we just, we just went about our life, she went to work, I went to college, and we just hoped that somehow in the busyness of our weeks, quality time would spontaneously just come together. No planning required. We just happened to be free. Hey, what are you up to? Not much. I've got the whole afternoon off. Oh, me too. Let's hang out and invest in our relationship. That would be a ridiculous approach. That approach is set up to fail. And so we're intentional. We schedule it in. We think about what's going to be sustainable. And after a period of time, we reevaluate and think, well, what do we need in the season moving forward? And in the same way, we're going to grow in our relationship with God this year. Then we need to think intentionally. We need to ask deliberate questions about our spiritual disciplines because they are a grace from God to help us grow in our relationship with Him. So how's it going to work for you this year? Uh, Pick a time, pick a place, discuss it with your GC, brainstorm it, come back and reevaluate. And every time that you think about doing your spiritual disciplines this year, remember that this is an opportunity for relationship. And this is an opportunity to grow in knowing your Father more and more. And so that's the first uh, why. It's to grow in relationship with God. The second is to become like Jesus. And if you remember last week, Arnaldo uh, preached this verse for us from 2 Corinthians. Got it up here on the screen behind me. It says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And if you're here this morning and you have faith in Jesus, this is what's happening to you. God is transforming you by the power of his Spirit more and more into the image of Jesus. 
See, he's saved you as you are, but he's not content to leave you like that. And so he's cleaning you up. He's fixing you from the inside out. You're being transformed and sin is dropping away and dysfunction is dropping away and brokenness is being refined. And it's so important to note that this isn't our work. No, we're being transformed from the inside out by the Holy Spirit who is at work in us. It's not behavior modification. God is in the business of soul transformation. But just because it doesn't happen because of us doesn't mean it happens entirely apart from us. And so we partner with the Holy Spirit as He changes us. And God has given us spiritual disciplines as a grace to be used in this process. And so let's kind of zoom in on one area of spiritual disciplines for a moment and see how this plays out. Let's zoom in on Scripture, reading and reflecting and praying and memorizing the Word as a spiritual discipline. Well, this is what the Apostle Paul says about Scripture and its impact in our transformation in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Paul writes, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, when I was in my teens and even some of my early adulthood, I really struggled reading the Bible. It's this big, dense book written in old-fashioned language that I didn't understand. How did it all fit together? What was the meaning? People were telling me that this was alive and, and it was God speaking to you, but that wasn't my experience. It didn't seem to make a notable difference in my life, but that doesn't seem to compare or equal Paul's description here. Paul says that God's word, it's not written by a human. No, it is God breathed. And you know what it does in your life? It teaches you. It corrects you. It rebukes you. It trains you. It equips you to live the life that God has for you as you do good deeds and glorify Jesus and are transformed more and more into his image. And now your, your, your Bible reading is not the entirety of spiritual disciplines, but I just want to spotlight this area today because it is so important in us becoming who God wants us uh, to be. So can I encourage you that if you're someone who uh, was like me, that you find Bible reading hard and difficult, it doesn't make sense, it's not seeming to have the impact that you think it should, uh, can I encourage you, there's a couple of things that you could do. Firstly, Ask for help. Ask for help. Uh, go to a friend, a Christian friend that you trust, who you see are the evidence of the word transforming them in their life. Or go to your GC leader and just have an honest conversation. Say, look, I know the word is supposed to be life transforming, but that's not my experience. Can you, can you help me? C can you show me maybe I'm not approaching it in the right way? Can you help me? 
because I know that this is more than just words on a page. And secondly, I want to encourage you, uh, as we heard from Arnaldo before, to grab one of the Abide journals that we have at the Connect Desk. It's got a really helpful approach to Bible reading in the front that describes how you can get the most out of your reading. And it's not like there's a magic formula to bring the Word to life, but some of us uh, maybe have just never been taught how to approach reading the Word, and this is going to help you uh, do that. And so all of our spiritual disciplines are a grace from God that He is using to transform us more and more into the image of Jesus. And so firstly, the first why of spiritual disciplines for relationship, for growing in relationship with God. Secondly, for becoming more like Jesus. And thirdly, for mission. And what I mean by mission in this case is living our lives in such a way that the world can't help but watch and wonder what's different about those guys and girls. What's, what's different about these people? Because I'm looking at their lives and something, something has clearly happened to them. Something has changed them. Something has affected them. Uh, this is what Jesus says in Matthew 5. He says, No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And if you're a follower of Jesus here today, I want to tell you the Bible says that you're called to be a light that draws people to see God. Uh, two years ago, I did an East Coast trip to the U.S., which was awesome because I love everything American. If you know me, I want to be American. And um, we spent some time in New York. And I love going to Times Square. It's a ridiculous place. It is immensely bright. Advertisements on the sides of buildings, billboards, videos, lights. And, and, and there are these, these big billboards that just light up neon colors and they're drawing attention to you know, what the people are trying to advertise. So you're standing there in Times Square and you see it. H&M, Coca-Cola, Apple, Nike, and the light from these billboards is so bright, you can't help but be drawn to it. Even if you wanted to try, you can't divert your attention from it because the light is so incredibly bright. And Anchor, we're called to live lives that shine so immensely bright that people can't help but see it's all about Jesus. We're called to live lives so bright, not optional, that it's just like that advertisement that's flashing in your face. Even if you wanted to look elsewhere, you don't have a choice because you're drawn to this light. It's all about Jesus. And let me tell you that if we're going to live lives that shout it's all about Jesus, that's only going to happen if we're actively abiding in Him. That's only going to happen if we're taking the time to sit at His feet. 
and be overwhelmed by his goodness and be transformed more and more into his likeness. Uh, We're only going to be able to love people with the unconditional love he has for them if we are receiving that ourselves. And the joy, the joy, that unexplainable joy that Jesus brings, people will only see that in us if we are being refreshed and immersed daily in the goodness of God. All good fruit comes from abiding in Him. As we are filled by Him to overflow into the lives of those around us. As Jesus says in John 15, I've already heard it once this morning, but let's hear it again. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so as we move to a time of response, I want to ask you, Anchor family, what do you want in 2018? Do you want to grow closer and more intimately in relationship with God? Uh, Do you want to become more and more like Jesus? Uh, Do you want to bear fruit that glorifies God and shines a light that points to His glory and makes people stop and question you about the hope that you have? Because if you want all of those things, I want to challenge you to think about how you can invest in your spiritual disciplines this year. Because they are a grace that God has given us and will use to accomplish all of those things. And so we're going to respond uh, now in a couple of ways. And if you feel that God has been speaking to you this morning, if you are convicted by anything, uh, I ask that you would uh, head up to the back during the music, during the songs, and uh, receive some prayer from our prayer team. Any need that you have, anything, there's nothing too big and there is definitely nothing too small. Uh, And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, but you've been hearing things about him and and you want to put your trust in him, could I encourage you to go up to the back and speak to one of our prayer team members as well. They'll be wearing orange lanyards. We're also going to share in the Lord's Supper together now, an act of remembering what Jesus has done for us and that through his blood we have forgiveness of sins and eternal life uh, with God. And as we think about seeking change this year, that foundation of what Jesus has done is everything. And so if you want to celebrate what Jesus has done for you today and your trust in him uh, during the songs, come. Uh, We've got two stations here in the sides and in the middle. Take the bread, dip it in the wine, and do so joyfully. And lastly, we're going to worship the God who invites us to know him, who invites us through Jesus and who gives us grace upon grace. So why don't you stand up to your feet? I'm going to pray and we're going to sing. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you have done in Jesus that through him we have a way to draw near to you. We thank you that this is not of ourselves, of our own doing, our earning or effort or religious activity, but this is all on him and what he did on the cross in our place, Lord. 
And so we thank you for him and we praise you and we worship you, God. And we pray that this year uh, you would move in us, God, to grow in these graces that you have given us, that we might know you more deeply, that we might become more and more like Jesus, and that we might shine, God, so that people might know you. Pray it all in Jesus' powerful and precious name. Amen.